you know, gone. Got to, man. One of my wife's like gross breakfast bars. <laughs> this one's actually not that bad, though. All right. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL Showdown Strategy Show presented by. No house advantage. I'm Dave Lockram at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners joined as always by Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski G A J E W S K I breaking down yet another. And I mean, heinous looking Monday night football game between the new Orleans saints and the Miami dolphins. But when there's football, you know, we'll always be here to talk about it. What's going on, brother. You have a good Christmas. Yes, sir. It was awesome. Got to spend some time with the family, watch some football. You know, the Packers are always going to be a big deal up in Wisconsin. So having that kind of debut, everything was a big deal. The whole day was kind of revolved around it. But how was yours? Good, man. It was very nice. Uh, you know, Christmas Eve, went to a bunch of different places, family members. And then uh, Christmas went to my, my parents-in-law. I guess you just say in-laws, right? Went to my in-laws. <laughs> Uh, and it was a good day, you know, I had a couple of drinks, had a lot of food. My, I, I said it on the deeper dive, though. My my stomach is noticeably bigger, was at least noticeably bigger uh, coming out of Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's to be expected. I think comes with the territory. You're just enjoying food, good times and everything. And then you can you can work that off at a later time. It's not your problem right now. Right. I didn't. Well, I saw something on Twitter, Matt. You're not you're not supposed to say that. That's harmful. You're not supposed to say you know, work off your Christmas, your Christmas uh, calories anymore. You're just supposed to say, you know what? Keep going, fella. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I should have worked it off, but I figured I would at least go one more day and we'll start it uh, on Monday. I hadn't eaten anything yesterday because I was preparing for the deeper dive. I ran straight out of the house to go to the Eagles game, stopped at my buddy's house, had a couple drinks. We walked to the, to the stadium from there. So I just went in. We grabbed two beers and then two hot dogs, except he didn't want a hot dog. So I just crushed two hot dogs before I even got to the seats. Your buddy didn't want a hot dog. I know. I, know, I should have left them there. I, I got some hot dogs for Christmas and I got a quick trip gift card. My family knows what's up. You got hot dogs for Christmas? Yeah, it was more like a gag gift, except it's not really a gag gift because I'm definitely going to eat them. I would too. Of course. Yeah, everyone, everyone thought it was funny. And it's like, yeah, you guys think this is funny, but I love hot dogs. I'm going to eat these for sure. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back on track today. I'll try my best. We but didn't do our some... Christmas stream. What's that? We did not do our Christmas stream. We didn't run it back. I know. It was really just, dis... you know, I think it is. We just have too much content right now. I, I don't know if there's any space to do it. I don't know if there's any bandwidth to do it at this rate. Yeah, last year we were limited with some of the sports we had, so I guess, there... and people were not traveling, so. We'll do something. We'll do something at some point, sometime. I don't know. We'll we'll make something happen. We'll have some fun. Maybe we'll do a like a playoff football stream, live viewing party or something. Could be fun. Anyway, happy to have you guys with us. Hope you had a great Christmas, great holiday weekend. If you haven't done so yet, um, well, hit that thumbs up. Helps us greatly. Helps us greatly. And we appreciate every single time you do it. And we got to the uh, coveted 69,420 subscribers for Alex Baker. He's happy about it. We are all stoked. But if you haven't done it, hit thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. If you want to join the channel, get those custom emojis, the free super chats each month, the badges, all that fun stuff. Priority access to uh, questions, shout outs, you name it. We got you covered right down there underneath the thumbs up. So let's dive into this, Matt. And I will ask, by the way, 
Uh, Mr. Jabler says, uh, less content. You guys talk in circles. The great thing is, bro, you don't need to watch all of it. Just watch what you want to. Watch what you can. We have all this content because not everyone can watch everything. But uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk in circles today as well. Hopefully not. Matt, what do you make of this game out of the gate? 37-point total, three-point spread. Ian Book expected to start for the New Orleans Saints. It's an ugly one. I am not realizing I'm wearing my Marquette hat, not my Notre Dame hat. Ian Book, he's the pride and joy of Notre Dame, so I got to be really excited for this game. He's definitely like a poor man's Taysom Hill. He's mobile, but he is not the best passer, and he is like a fourth-string quarterback for a reason. So I think that is a lot of why we see this game at a 37-point total overall. I mean, the Saints, the way they've been playing this year, it's not the most exciting football. They're definitely slowing teams down, trying to win with their defense. And putting Taysom Hill into the offense and increasing that run rate definitely doesn't help the exciting factor for the game. And I'm not sure Ian Book's going to either. So that, that's kind of why I see the total being so low. Overall, the spread, three points in Miami's favor. I was a little surprised by that. Facing Ian Book, I was thinking this was going to be a little closer to a touchdown. I know they're on the road, but how did you view it? Yeah, I honestly found three points to be pretty pretty sensible for a couple of reasons. The the Saints defense is really going to be the the only thing that can that can hold them together at this point. Um, how many defensive players are out or on the COVID list? A decent amount. The marquee names are Malcolm Jenkins, Demario Davis, Caden Ellis, Carl Granderson. So they they still have some of their really premier options, but those are some pretty good players. Like Demario Davis and Malcolm sure. Jenkins, starters for them. But, yeah, Jenkins is getting up there, but, you know, yeah. still a starter. And that's a deep position. They they have three or four safeties they can use in the field. So even with his absence, to your point, I'm not sure it's the most impactful. Yeah, so I think defensively it's just what's going what's gonna to keep this game competitive. I mean, look, they, I, I understand that the, that the Tampa Bay Bucs were without most of their premier players last week. Well, not – not throughout the entire game because Godwin did play a decent amount, but you lost him. You lost Fournette at one point. You lost Mike Evans. But at the same time, they still got shut out. They still got blanked by the New Orleans Saints in Tampa Bay. So maybe that's baked into it, Matt. I don't know. It's a one-game sample. But I would say at least the New Orleans Saints don't have a terrible defense, even given the injuries. I think it'll keep this game relatively competitive because say what you want, but the Miami Dolphins, despite being a, a much better team of late and, and making a huge turnaround after like a one and six start to begin the season or whatever it was, this is not a team that is an offensive juggernaut at all. They just simply are not. And the last four games, they faced the Jets, the Giants, the, the Panthers, the Jets, right? And then the Ravens, they got a good win there. Didn't put up a ton of points, 11 points against Buffalo. So all I'm saying here is, that while they have been better and they have been considerably better lately, they're not a juggernaut offense. This is one of those teams that kind of methodically moves the ball downfield. And if they do make big plays, it's usually, you know, a five yard pass that goes for 65 and not a deep ball, 60, 70 yards downfield to a Jalen Waddle or a Devonte Parker. Right. We've had the luxury of breaking down this Miami offense before the luxury, the, the luxury. I, I mean, they're kind of fun. I like the way they're run, but they were just, if you want to talk a team building perspective, coming from the absolute depths of football, a couple of years ago, this Miami team was similar to like the Jets or the Jaguars in terms of where their roster was. And they've done a good job building it, but they're not there yet. Their offensive line is one of the worst in football. So to your point, when we talk about how they play offense and when they're throwing the ball, a lot of it's dink and dunk. I think that's by design. Not only do you have Jalen Waddle, who's great with the ball after the catch, but their offensive line just can't pass protect. And they realize that, and they're trying to get the ball out of Tua's hands fast. It doesn't really lead to exciting plays, doesn't lead to big scores, but I think that is their best chance to win. And I think we see more of the same here. And again, I think that's also why the total is so low in this game. But New Orleans' great defense, I, they're going to be keen on this. And I think their pass rush is a big, big advantage for this team. We talked about all the players on COVID. Some players not on COVID are Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport and some of their situational rushers like Zach Bond as well. That is a huge mismatch for New Orleans on defense. You know why this slate's fun? Because you, it, it wouldn't even be shocking 
if like a zero quarterback lineup ends up winning the the 500k or first place like i know the, the likelihood is that one of them's in it if you look at our top stack tool uh tua has a 15 percent optimal captain probability and 61 percent utility or optimal utility option i get that uh ian book 11 percent optimal captain 53 percent optimal utility so it's still very unlikely but we had ray p what's up right in chat say could book really be a worse passer than mallet finger or simeon i don't know i'm seriously asking may have some uh, uh, notre dame bias here yes he absolutely could and i think people maybe maybe you disagree matt but i think people oftentimes are unwilling to acknowledge a downgrade even if it's from a bad quarterback to a worse quarterback i mean if you look at a daniel jones down to a jake Fromm, jake Fromm was absolutely dismal yesterday so you will get a lot of these quarterbacks that come in uh the Fromms, the ian books depending on who it is what point of the season there's no doubt that, yes, this could be a really dreadful passing game from him. And Alvin Kamara is the emergency quarterback as well. So we'll see how that goes. The thing with Ian Book is he's mobile. So that kind Correct. of gives you a little out compared to a Jake from. He asked a about a passer, though, just to be just so you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I 100% agree with you. I think he's the fourth string quarterback for a reason. And for for DFS purposes, it probably does hurt the receivers. You're looking at little underneath passes that they're probably going to try to be completing. And they don't have the best receiving core to begin with anyway. Their best receiver is Alvin Kamara. But from a play and DFS perspective, the mobility does help. Ian Book, I mean, like, he's a, he's a fourth-string quarterback for a reason. Yeah, no doubt, dude. And in some spots, he has a rushing prop of 25 and a half yards today, which is significant for a fourth-string quarterback. Yeah, that's I, that is his best skill, and I think with the potential for him to rush, I don't know. He's definitely not Lamar. He's not even Taysom. I'm trying to think of like a good comparison to him. He's not really like Josh Allen either because he's not big and he doesn't win in that way. Maybe is he like, like a, a Tannehill type rusher. Yeah, and like a Heineke. Yeah, more of like a scrambler than a design rusher, but right. a guy that's definitely not afraid to take off and run with his legs. Antoine said, "This is a sneaky Q two QB slate." I, I see what you're That's saying, but it, cute. it's real. What'd you say? Two QBs isn't cute. Right. Yeah. It, it, he said sneaky, but it's, it's really not sneaky. I mean, there's still going to be two of the highest owned quarterbacks on this or two is the highest owned players on the slate. Yeah. I mean, two is pulling 67% projected ownership right now. Books at 55%. That's second and third respectively behind only Alvin Kamara. So um, my guess is if you're running, if you're running an, uh, if you're crunching right now, Matt, and you just pull run an unadulterated crunch and get the optimal, it's probably going to have both of them in it because there aren't even that many expensive utility options. There, there's, there's no Devonte Adams that you have to jam in along with Mike Evans and and Chris Godwin and a Tom Brady, you know, or a or Aaron Rodgers as well. Yeah, I already ran those crunches this morning. You get. To a captain in 55% of lineups, and you get both quarterbacks in nearly every single one, too. So I think that is going to yeah. be very popular. And it's because of price. Like Ian Book's not expensive. So you're not paying like a Tom Brady price for a backup. You're paying a backup price for a backup. Jalen Waddle's price is exorbitant, though. He's priced as if Devontae Parker isn't playing. And it makes sense. He's played well the entire year, but now you're bringing back another alpha receiver into the offense. No doubt. It's just, it feels, it feels ugly. And we can dive into the dolphins right here, Matt. It, it, I don't know that that's tough. Cause you look at it. He has a, a 3% top play probability on this slate 3% in this game with a 37 point total. That is extraordinarily low. He has a sub 1% optimal captain probability. And that just, to me, that makes perfect sense at that price point. Do you know what his leverage score is? Take a guess if you haven't looked yet. I have looked. Okay. So I, I know what it is, but you're getting at a something that's kind of a little alarming when you look at his number. Minus 17% leverage score. Uh, and just to put that into context, the next closest is, is minus 4%. So uh, I think Waddle 
might make it match so you can be a little bit different and he's getting low ownership. But I'll be honest, man, I'm really not that interested in trying to get cute and throwing him into the captain spot. I think it might really hurt lineups. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I could I be totally wrong. I agree with you. It comes down to price. And Waddle doesn't have significantly different opportunity from the other receivers. And we only really have a one game sample of him with Devontae Parker, at least recently. And last week, Jalen Waddle was out. So Devontae Parker saw an increased workload. But we do have a larger sample of him versus Jasicki. And when all three of these guys played on the field in week 13, I believe it was, Waddle had the same amount of targets as Jasicki. So if Jasicki should be included among these receivers because he doesn't play tight end, he plays the slot, and that's the only thing he plays. These have a it's the a weird split between these guys. It's like a split across the board in terms of targets. And I don't really see any of them being the pure alpha moving forward when you have healthy Parker, healthy Jasicki, and healthy Waddle. And they all play different roles. That's the concern I have. It, 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 it's not to say that the model's not a good option, but at that price point, he really does not feel like a great play. And like you said, I think, yeah, priced for Devontae Parker not to play. So what are you doing with these pass catchers? Mike Gesicki, um, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle, uh, and then any of these other players who, look, it's a weird offense. And I know that we've had rotating cast of characters in and out with Parker and a lot of other you know, guys that have been uh, playing or not playing, but, oh, and Albert Wilson's on the COVID-19 list as well. But like, you know, your Durham Smites and Adam Shaheen is coming back uh, after an extended absence. So none of those guys are exciting, understandable, but they have had these games. It feels like every other week where one of those guys are like a Mac Hollins, not to say that that guy's going to get a lot of opportunity now that they're healthy, uh, show up. So what are you doing with these pass catchers? I'm prioritizing Parker and Jasicki. Again, Jasicki, he's literally just playing slot receiver for this team. And that comes down to price. They're just a little bit cheaper. Parker, he's now another week removed from the injury, which is positive. And he's seen good opportunity when he's on the field. One of those games without Waddle, so keep that in mind. But the price point for him just being cheaper, I think, is what seals the deal in terms of playing these guys in your lineups. The one thing I'll say about all of the Miami pass catchers, and I guess you could say this goes for the Saints pass catchers as well, Whoever scores the touchdown, it's going to be really important for your lineups. With the low total we have, if the game plays to that, even one touchdown from, and we can include Waddle in this, Waddle's price makes him a little harder to be optimal. But if he scores a touchdown, I think he still has a pretty good chance, even in the utility of getting in there. So it's going to be a volatile slate with a low score. And typically these are the slates we see like defenses, kickers, all kinds of crazy stuff happen. But with Parker and Jasicki being just as involved as Waddle, that's where I'm going in low risk contest. That's where we see some of the better leverage scores on this slate for Miami in terms of pass catchers. And that's where I see myself going most. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there was, um, even on, even in other spots where remember the other week it was a Thursday, you had uh, Burton for Kansas city score and end up being in the optimal just because of what it allowed you to get in there with 10 points. He had one attempt uh, for seven yards and a touchdown. Of course, he caught two for 20. But on a slate like this, if you have two for 20 and a touchdown, Matt, that could be that could be all the difference in the world, especially if it's a cheap receiver. Um, Anthony said in, in chat, what's up, Anthony? He said, I'm playing a lot of Waddle, hoping everyone pays down for Parker and Mike. Look, could definitely be the case. But what I'm saying is, you know, based on our tools, and you don't have to follow our tools, he does have a very low leverage score as, as a captain, uh, very low probability to be the optimal captain on this slate at that price point. That doesn't mean that he can't be the top scorer. 3% probability. there is still very low. It's saying Matt, that just, just to clarify for people that might be watching these shows for the first time, that the likelihood of him being the optimal captain, even if he is the top scorer, uh, it's still very low at that price point because of what it prevents you from being able to do in your in your flex spots. Yeah, that's 100% it. And I mean, if the ownership does decrease on him, I would have more interest. Maybe that happens throughout the day. If you, you catch live before lock, you're going to get updated projections, not only just what these players are projected for, but ownership projections, leverage tools. It all updates throughout the day. Lafayette and I are just making our best decisions. If the slate were to start at the end of the show, 
what we would be doing right now. And I'm in full agreement with him. I would prefer Jasicki and Parker right now based on their roles in the offense. Do you like any of these tertiary options? These, I don't want to call them no-namers, but you know where I'm <laughs> going with this. Like now that now that Waddle and Parker are back playing this, uh, on, in the same week, what do you think snaps look like? Because last, last time that you said week 13, you're right. Albert Wilson played 58% of snaps, but he's on the COVID-19 list. So like Mac Hollins, Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford, uh, should any of these guys be in consideration as sprinkle in plays? I think Durham Smythe is probably the best one. Shaheen Great. coming back adds a weird wrinkle to this because they, they will use Shaheen a lot. But this team is primarily using two tight ends. It's just that Jasicki is in the slot. So you still have a lot of snaps for whoever they play in line. Recently, it's been Durham Smythe. In that week 13 game where we had Waddle and Parker and Wilson, who's now on the COVID list, Smythe still played 61% of snaps. Now, he only had one target. But the thing with Smythe is he's near the stone minimum on DraftKings. So you can play this guy, play all the studs, and maybe he doesn't have the best receiving role, but you get one or two targets, he falls in the end zone for a tournament. That's all you need. He's going to be on the field a ton. Outside of him at the receivers, I think it's probably Isaiah Ford who plays the most, but he's going to be squeezed by Preston Williams. He's going to be squeezed now by Shaheen and Durham Smythe, Mac Hollins. It's going to be a pretty nasty rotation once you get outside the big three for Miami. It is really nasty. And, and, and you know this, if you're, if you're crunching 150 lineups or if you're playing 150 lineups, you're just going to end up with kind of trace amounts of all of these guys, right? You're going to end up with a little Durham Smythe. You're going to end up with some Isaiah Ford, you know, maybe, maybe only a few percent, but it's probably going to happen. You'll end up with all of these guys, but I don't think any of them by any stretch are priorities as a value play. I mean, let me ask you this, just to kind of take a 30,000-foot view here for a second, Matt. Are there any legit values on this slate, like real good values on either side? Real good as a stretch, but I think Smythe is a pretty decent one. He pops up in some of our optimals right now. It's because he's $300, so or $600, excuse me. That's in the flex. You, you play Durham Smythe, you can play both quarterbacks, you can play Camara, and you can play some pretty decent pass catchers. And I think that makes sense because... If you have Smythe at $600, is the opportunity that different from, let's say, we go up in price a little bit to, I don't know, a Isaiah Ford? I don't really think it is. It's but not. how do you see it? It's not. You're right. There's, real, there's no noticeable difference there. And, and I mean, you just you, you hope one of them scores, quite frankly. I mean, that's what you need. So I guess the only thing about I mean, Smythe has what? Smythe has zero touchdowns this season. Shaheen's got, didn't Shaheen get in the end zone a couple times? No. Wow. Okay. So he has zero as well. Damn. What about Isaiah Ford? He, has he scored this year? I don't know off the top of my head. I have no idea either. Is he minimum salary? Yeah. Uh, no, no, he's, he's above not. minimum. He's close, but he's above. He has two touchdowns this season. Yeah, but at the price point, that's the thing. If they were all minimum salary, I'm taking Isaiah Ford over all three of them. Agreed. But at this rate, I don't know if he's the best value. If I can get to it and I have that salary and it's still a unique lineup, fine, I'll go Isaiah Ford. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to try and force him in uh, instead of just going all the way down to one of those tight ends at this point. Now the moment you've all been waiting for, hit that thumbs up too. We're, we are 49. We're one like away from 50. A couple days after Christmas, we're all still uh, getting our bearings straight coming into the to the fresh week leading up to the New Year's, and then we'll uh, run it back all over again. But the backfield, Matt, is ugly because last week you come into this, a lot of people liked Miles Gaskin, said, all right, here we go. Miles Gaskin got him up against the New York Jets. This is a smash spot. Incorrect, sir. It was Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson. This is a guy. Now, let me just say, Duke Johnson has been a guy that many in the DFS industry, Matt, have been, you know, salivating over for some time now. Now, that 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 flame burnout a couple of years ago. But you remember there was a time where he was in Cleveland and they said, why don't they just use Duke Johnson more? And then he went to Houston and we thought he might have a real opportunity to get a huge workload here. Uh, and then that didn't. Uh, what, what was that? That was. 2019 that didn't come to fruition 
And then you just forget about the guy entirely. He hadn't played at all this season, only played 11 games last year. Comes to Miami, gets 22 carries in his second game with the Miami Dolphins with two scores, 100-plus yards, and a 20-yard reception. You can't make that shit up. No, it, it's just the crazy season we've had. And I don't really know how to explain it, but we've seen so many players, Dante Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard, these guys that are on practice squads are out of the league for an extended period of time, come up and have these big games. It's just crazy. All of the volatility we've seen in the NFL this year, but Duke Johnson, he played ahead of Miles Gaskin. And if you, you read the tea leaves a little bit, there's kind of just been little inklings that they want to use Miles Gaskin more of a timeshare or phase him out. You know, they bring in Philip Lindsay and he's been injured and on the COVID list. So they haven't been able to use him. They bring in Duke Johnson. They bring in Malcolm Brown this offseason. They're continually bringing in more and more backs. So that says to me that they do not trust Miles Gaskin. They don't trust Salvin Ahmed. And it makes sense. You look at the efficiency metrics for Gaskin. This guy hasn't exactly been near the top of the best backs in the league. But with as well as Duke Johnson played, and albeit against the Jets, wouldn't you think he would be in line for at least a majority of the touches? I'm not sure how the split breaks down. And I do think Lindsey and Gaskin are involved to some degree. But it's hard for me to believe after what Duke Johnson did that he doesn't see most of the touches. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that question because it's been, it's been so tough to predict what we're going to get with this team all season long uh, on the ground, on the ground specifically. I don't think miles Gaskin is that good as a rusher. Okay. We'll start there. He's averaging three and a half yards per attempt, but I will say last week too, though, that, you know, he averaged five and a half yards per carry on 10 attempts against the New York Jets, right? Duke Johnson was solid, 107 on 22. Um, but ownership is going to play such a big role today. If Duke Johnson ends up being far more popular than Miles Gaskin, then I'm going Miles Gaskin a lot more than Duke. But right now, we have them with almost identical ownership at almost identical prices. So, yeah, if that's the case and that doesn't change a whole lot throughout the day leading up to kickoff, give me the guy that got 22 carries, got into the end zone twice last week over the guy who, like you said, and I think this is a really salient point that you made, a guy that Flores and company have already been looking to, to phase, not phase out, but to, to limit his workload. Before Malcolm Brown went down, Brown was getting a lot of work on most of the goal line carries. There were games where Gaskin played 5% of snaps out of nowhere. You know, they, they have Salvin Ahmed who they use. Like you said, they brought in Philip Lindsay. And now you don't just bring, bring in Duke Johnson, but in his second week with the team, the guy has 22 carries. So yeah, if they're going to get similar ownership, I don't, I don't think it's even a question. Now I will say this though. If Miles Gaskin, let's just let's say we get a, say we get an update, right? And Miles Gaskin really does come in at far lower ownership than Duke Johnson, then you can at least twist my arm and convince me that Brian Flores has done wild shit all year long in the backfield, and that maybe this just ends up being a Gaskin game where he hauls in a bunch of passes and gets thirteen to fifteen carries as well. So I'm playing this one by ear, Matt. Yeah, I mean there were quotes coming out of Miami last week before the game that Gaskin was not going to see all of the work. And it makes sense. He was coming off the COVID list. And some of those comments had to do with his conditioning. You know, a guy that's been sitting at home in quarantine for however long he was on the list had to get his legs under him a little bit. So there's a chance that maybe this goes back to Gaskin with a slight edge, but even going back to week 12, when we last saw Philip Lindsay, the carry split was 16 for Gaskin, 12 for Lindsay. I think there's going to be a timeshare. And honestly, I'm not sure which one of them is going to lead the group. So to your point, this is going to be a decision point for me that is decided later in the day based on where ownership comes in. But do you have any interest in Philip Lindsay? Um, no, I, I don't have a ton of interest in Lindsay. Now, I don't think Malcolm Brown is going to be activated, right? I'm assuming not. Our projections have him out, and I didn't see anything positive. I don't see him, anything but yet. You never know. <clears throat> no, you, you do never know. I, I don't know, man. Th this is a problem, though. If Philip Lindsay plays, first of all, are they going to have four active running backs? I would be shocked. Right. The, I was at the Eagles game yesterday, and I was surprised. Like, they had 
and they've done it. They've done it before, but they had Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and Kenny Gainwell all active, and they ended up using them all because of the injuries. Is it sensible though to have Lindsey, Ahmed, Duke Johnson, and Miles Gaskin active? To me, no. But you, the reason I ask is because Lindsey was a full participant in practice on Friday. But that's why I'm asking you because he he did, he hasn't played either from COVID or an injury over the last few weeks. So now that <clears throat> excuse me. They have three other backs that they rotated last week. Just does, does he play? Yeah, we'll we'll get this news late in the day, fortunately, when we figure out who inactives are. If they play four backs, that would be even worse for this situation because then you probably see like a handful of Ahmed snaps. But if I were running the Miami Dolphins based on what we've seen and what they've done, I think it kind of points to me that Ahmed is the third back on this team or the fourth back. If Philip Lindsay were to be healthy again, early in the year, they use miles Gaskin as the pure bell cow above him. Then you bring in two guys basically off the street and Lindsay and Duke Johnson, and they immediately play over Ahmed. So I, I think if they were going to play their best three backs, it would be Lindsay Gaskin and Duke Johnson. But to be honest with you guys, I have no idea who the dolphins are going to have active tonight, who they're not. Their backfield is actually rarely healthy but we get one of those situations today. So this is a live before lock situation, in my opinion. And when we do have live before lock on tonight, ownership will be updated. So you'll kind of get a glimpse of which one of these guys is coming in a little, little lower owned. For sure. It's going to be important. We can set the foundation. We can lay the foundation, Matt. You know, we right. can set, set the table here, but there's no doubt uh, a lot of stuff that we have to pay attention to. And here's my guess. I wouldn't be shocked if Lindsay was inactive, but I would be shocked if all four were active. So maybe it's Ahmed who's inactive, but dude, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't even put it past Flores for, for deactivating miles Gaskin. I wouldn't put it past him either. Right. It, and if he does, let's, I, I know this is a low probability uh, scenario, but if he does, then, then you have to start looking at a fill of Lindsay too. You know for what sure. I wanted to ask you? Where are you at on playing two running backs from this Miami side of the ball in the same lineup, just given the, the overall uh, projected anemic offense from New Orleans Saints today? 17-point total. I mean, could two, could two uh, Dolphins running backs plus Miami defense end up being the optimal lineup? Yeah, I think so. In that scenario – you're probably hoping Miami gets the opening kickoff. They score right away, and that forces New Orleans into more pass attempts than they initially planned on. We know New Orleans wants to play ball control, but if Miami gets up in the game from the start, that might not be something they're able to do. I will say if I'm playing like a Duke Johnson or a Miles Gaskin together in the same lineup, it's probably a Miami onslaught, looking at like 5-1 constructions, 4-2 constructions in favor of the Dolphins in that group because you really want those elevated rush attempts where they can both get there. And we have seen games like this. Uh, the Jets stands out. But even in that Week 12 game where Gaskin had 16 carries and Lindsey had 12, those are the kind of situations you want for Miami. And the positive thing is they've shown the willingness to give multiple backs over 10 carries in the same game. So this is live. I think it's more your Millie Maker style play, but I'm not against it at all. Okay. Anything else for Miami you want to hit on? I don't think so. I, we talked about Smythe as a punt play tight end. I think you could also do the same thing with Shaheen. And I do think Smythe is going to be somewhat popular today because he's popping in optimals. So I ran the optimals on, on DraftKings. He was in the number one, and he pops up in, in quite a few, actually. He's in 40% of optimals in the utility spot. They actually gave him captain in one of them. So as far as punt plays right now, unless anything changes, I think most constructions are going to have Durham Smythe for your, your low risk contests, your cash contests on FanDuel. It's a little different. You have more salary to work with. It's a little loose over there. So I didn't get any Smythe, but if you're looking for a one for one pivot, Shaheen has been a slightly better receiver. Smythe has been more your blocker. I think you could do a lot worse than just pivoting right to Shaheen off of Smythe. I, I will add this one thing. Uh, the saints run defense is still very good. Um, 3.8 yards per carry allowed. That's second lowest in the league. Uh, their, their yards per game has come up a little bit lately just because their offense has been so bad that teams are willing to kind of sacrifice efficiency for just keeping the ball. It, if that is the case, and we see New Orleans run defense 
come out strong again, despite some injuries or some absences. I, I do think you could be looking at one of these games where one of the running backs ends up actually producing the bulk of his, his numbers in the passing game. The only thing that sucks about that is that Duke Johnson has always been a talented pass catching back. So it's not like Miles Gaskin wins out in that scenario. We're just, you're just going to have to make some judgment calls on that. Uh, Miami defense, I have no problem with at all. I have no problem with Jason Sanders whatsoever, Matt. Look, kickers in this game could be huge. Defenses in this game can be huge. And, and I have zero problem getting to any of them on either side, really. 100% agree. Low-scoring game environment. So I'm a little more interested in the kickers. One question I wanted to ask you a little earlier, and then I just forgot about it. When you're playing low-risk contests or single entries with a smaller field, would you rather take a shot on your Isaiah Fours or just get to one of the kickers for a slight, slightly more salary? I, I think I'd rather play a kicker. For smaller field stuff? Yeah. Yeah, kicker. In this game? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was leaning more towards the kickers over an Isaiah Ford type play in, I don't know, anything under 10,000 entries. Because Isaiah Ford, I mean, we don't really care too much about the floor, right? But Isaiah Ford's floor is probably zero here. Uh, Jason Sanders, I think, at least doesn't destroy you, but could probably get you close to that Isaiah Ford ceiling game too. I, I, I know Isaiah Ford had that one game early in the year uh, where he had four for 84. And that's the best game. Other than that, Matt, it's been zeros, twos, fives, eights, and stuff like that. So um, I'm not totally opposed to it, but I also am not blind to the fact that a lot of these Isaiah Ford games where he's been involved at all, even if it's like two for fit 40, are with the Devontae Parker out or something like that. So now that they're getting healthier, it definitely doesn't help. All right, let's talk about the Saints. Before we do, though, shout out to our sponsor, No House Advantage. Sponsor of the Strategy Show, phenomenal site, phenomenal app. If you haven't checked it out yet, they're bringing you an entirely different way to enjoy DFS with player prop contests where it's 100% peer-to-peer. It helps level the playing field, and they have an insane menu of props over there at No House Advantage. Now, here's the cool thing. There's no juice on either side. You're taking the over or the under, and you're building lineups out of it. The ones you like the most, the props you like the most throughout the day, they go at the top of your lineup they they are rewarded the most points the ones you like the least they go at the bottom they get the fewest points but here's the difference between everything else and no house advantage they're static props they don't change throughout the day so you can use our free no house advantage player prop projections you can use our free no house advantage optimal lineup tool you can use our free oddshopper.com to get the expected win rate on these to, to get our projections up against the the other props at other books and figure out where the best spots to be are uh, there really truly is an edge over here, one that you should take advantage of where we have free tools. And if you sign up using the promo code AWESOMO, A-W-E-S-C-M-O, get a free $25 deposit bonus when you sign up using that. All new users get a $25 deposit bonus when they sign up and use the promo code AWESOMO. So check it out. Go to nohouseadvantage.com or download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, wherever you prefer, and check that out today. And, of course, use all of our free tools. You'd be crazy not to use the free tools with it, uh, especially given that these props do not change throughout the day. All right, Matt, let's talk about the uh, New Orleans Saints. What we, we, we discussed it earlier, but Ian Book, man, he's not, not exciting, but if he's mobile enough, maybe that gets us where we need to go. And I'll phrase it to you like this, right? With Book and Kamara, we can talk about both of them at the same time. These are the two top options here. You have to think Sean Payton, who I, I like to consider a pretty good play caller. You have to think that they're going to they're gonna design some stuff, that, that they're going to they're gonna cook some stuff up to get Kamara used a little bit differently, um, to get Book used a little bit differently. You're going to have to create yards and points somewhere. Why not do it with your most dynamic players? And why not do it with a quarterback who can actually use his legs? Yeah, I think he's actually a pretty decent backup for Taysom Hill. I don't think you have to change the offense drastically. He still doesn't run a lot like Taysom Hill, but having that mobility is key. And we've kind of seen this offense already take away some of the, the bigger plays, the, the gadgety stuff that they were able to run with Jameis just being a better passer. So I don't know how much the offense necessarily has to change. And Peyton's been a guy who's always been very good at getting his best players the ball. 
keeping things simple for his signal callers, which is going to be good for Ian Book. You don't want him pushing the ball downfield, getting these turnover-prone plays. And you really just want to focus on Alvin Kamara, Ingram, the receivers you do have left. There's It's a pretty bleak in New Orleans, but ultimately I think it's going to be a very simple game plan, getting Ian Book easy production. And I do think some of that comes with his legs, which is positive for DFS. And he's cheap for a starting quarterback to be priced where he is. He's still going to pop in optimals, even though he's a fourth string quarterback. He's somebody that's going to have enough opportunity here. And then this, if this game plays to the spread, Miami winning the game by three, you should see some semblance of negative game script for book. So extra pass attempts at some point. I actually don't mind captaining him because of that rushing upside. I don't mind it either. When I was building dummies this morning, before I ran some optimals, I was playing around throwing him in there because he is pretty cheap. Yes. Could you get a rushing touchdown? Like you said, could they use him in a uh, taste on hill kind of fashion? It's not the craziest idea. Now, obviously Alvin Kamara uh, has by far the highest top play probability with our, using our top plays tool, uh, our single game and showdown top plays tool, 27% top play probability, but Kamara only 9.9% optimal captain, Matt, which tells me that not only is he very expensive and rightfully so, but that maybe there are some other good ways to get to captains. And, you know, guys like Tua and Gasecki and Parker uh, and Ian Book even all have, whether it's marginally higher or significantly higher, optimal captain probabilities on this slate. It's not saying you don't play a Kamara at captain. Still 10%. That's pretty high on a slate like this. But it does mean that I don't think you have to jam Alvin Kamara in at captain on a slate like this. I agree with you. And we see this a lot with some of these expensive captains. Sometimes they might be the raw score, the highest score on the slate, but their salary is so prohibitive that the rest of your lineup just doesn't score enough for that lineup to come out on top. And that could be the case with Kamara today. And this is not the Kamara we saw a couple of weeks ago. Ingram is off the COVID list. He's healthy now. And he does siphon off a decent amount of work here. And anything you're going to chip away from Kamara at the salary is impactful. So I do think Kamara is a guy you want to roster. The, con- the question you want to ask is just not, whether to Ross Kamara or not, it's going to be where to roster him. And I'm with you. I think the utility spot is the best option for your large field tournaments right now. That's a great point though. Kamara last game, a strange game. Not sure how much you want to take away from it, but also a low scoring game. Kamara had 11 carries to Mark Ingram's nine, Matt. Yeah, that that's a pretty drastic split. And we've seen that split with Kamara at times through his career. They recently, though, before they, they signed Ingram, they just didn't have the ability to do that. But we, we, I think from a larger sample, we know that Sean Payton wants to use Kamara in some sort of a committee just to keep him fresh. So that does hurt his bottom line in this situation and makes Ingram a pretty interesting play overall. It does. And they're also, he's also just not on a good offense right now. So uh, I, I do wonder how much of this, how much of this, this Saints team, or I'm sorry, Miami defense is just going to be, all right, do everything you can to take Alvin Kamara out of the game. And I'm not trying to simplify this too much, but hear me out. Do what you can to take him out of the game. Force Ian Book to throw to guys like Marquez Callaway, right? Like force him to throw to, to, to player Lil Jordan Humphrey and Nick Vanette, those type of guys. Force him to make plays with his arm and we'll take our chances while bringing a pretty good pass rush at him. I don't think it's out of the question to think that Alvin Kamara, while he will be heavily used, might not have insane efficiency today. Now, listen, I still want a ton of Alvin Kamara on this slate. There's no doubt about it. He's a playmaker. He can shed tackles. He can bounce off of tackles as good as anybody. But I'm not not blind to the fact either that Miami knows there's one real true playmaker on this offense, and his name is Alvin Kamara. 100%. And... There's only so much you can do to take him away. It's not like you can dedicate double coverage to a guy that's lining up in the backfield, getting screen passes and stuff like that. So you can load the box. You can do a lot of things. But Kamara still has a lot of just little PPR volume, getting the cheap underneath throws. You can line him up in the slot and use motion to get advantageous matchups with him. I kind of view him, as far as DFS goes, as a matchup-proof piece, which speaks to our projection on him and how high his optimal play probability is even if a lot of it's not coming in the captain spot. I think there's just a hard chance for a long chance for him to fail. 
But, you know, if he doesn't score a touchdown or something like that, maybe he doesn't pay off the salary for captain. So I'm 100% with you. I, I love Kamara. I think Ingram's really interesting for his price because the workload is split pretty evenly. And then you still have pass catching ability for Ingram as well. He's a guy that I was surprised how many targets he did get, honestly. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's going to continue or not, but Ingram was actually used in the pass game a little bit. And maybe those are plays where New Orleans is initially in a run set and they check to a pass, but I don't know. It surprised me a little bit, but did, did you see it the same way for Ingram? I've been surprised how they've used Ingram ever since he came back to New Orleans in that, in that trade. Me too. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've been surprised by it. There's no doubt. Where was he? Houston? Yeah. Houston, right? Yeah. I've been shocked, but I mean, they didn't need him. They have Rex Burkhead. Can you believe, can you believe they beat the chargers by 11? That's embarrassing. No, I can't. I Herbert, a couple plays that Herbert made really decided that game, like the, the interceptions that he threw, but my goodness, I think the bigger concern is the chargers defense. And I know Staley is trying to allow the run to a degree to prevent the big plays in the past game. But it's gotten to the point where teams can just get big plays in the run game. Yeah, right. You're preventing you're preventing the 30-yard pass by giving up a 40-yard run. That doesn't work. Right. And if the Texans are doing that, what do you think the late-season Titans are going to do with Derrick Henry back or some of these power-based run teams? Like, I don't know. They didn't even have Brandon Cooks. They had a ton of players on the, on the COVID list as well. And I, I was I was really – I was almost more shocked by that game than I was by Detroit beating Arizona. I mean, they're comparable. They really are to give up 41. It's not even that they lost. It's in the fashion that they lost 41 points allowed to the Houston Texans. They were 21 or sorry. They were 10 and a half point dogs in that game. The Texans at home, they had a 16.25 total 16 point total. Crazy. Truly crazy. I think Detroit has a better roster pretty clearly than Houston. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah. We got a former no- number one overall pick in golf. Think what you will of him, but going against Davis mills who started 11 games or so in his college career, you have Deandre Swift, Jamal Williams. I don't think either of them played in the game against Arizona, but they still, didn't neither did Hawkinson. Yeah. But you still have like Amon Ross St. Brown, who's better than any receiver that the Texans trotted out there because cooks was out and Detroit's offensive line isn't terrible either. No, they've got a good offensive line and Houston does not. And Detroit's defense is better. Detroit has like some, I mean, they're like, their defense definitely isn't good, but they're pretty solid up front. Credit Danny Campbell, man. I love that guy. Me too. Hey. He's, he's so charismatic. Uh, the, his team loves him. If you ever get a chance, watch the locker room footage after their first win. And, but, and then the one after their, their winning out against Arizona, it's that stuff is great. That's some feel good stuff there where you just see everyone rallying around each other. Um, Detroit, listen, Detroit fights hard. Say what you want about them, Matt. They're not going to win a lot of games, and we've seen that. But they they stay competitive against some good teams. And they're never just like a roll-over-and-die scenario where you saw the Giants yesterday or, or Washington just get slaughtered on Sunday night football. The, Detroit's always going to be in it, baby. You got to appreciate it. I do. I've, I've quietly become a Detroit Lions fan. In Me the, in too. The I can't. I can't say that where I live in, in Milwaukee, but I don't know. The team is a feel good and they're pretty fun to watch. I like what they're doing with Amon Ross St. Brown too. They prioritize getting their best players the ball. And I appreciate that. It's a good point. Even if Tim Boyle is in there. Anyway, uh, what are you doing with the pass catchers for the Saints? This is a disaster, but I think Traquan Smith's status, he's really the, the lone questionable piece we have in this game. He missed a ton of the year. I believe it was with a hamstring and now he's dealing with a shoulder injury, but he looks legitimately questionable to me and I haven't seen his status updated, but that could be a major benefit to Marquez Calloway and Marquez Calloway is going to be going up into a really tough matchup, but I think he has the chance to just get these easy throws from Ian book, especially if the saints get down in the game. I was looking at odd shopper earlier and a couple I actually really liked were on Marquez Calloway. If you look at his receiving yards, you could do receptions as well, but receiving yards are really low at 30 and a half. This has a 64% win rate, and we have him projected for 43. Marquez Callaway saw nine targets in their last game. So if Traquan Smith misses, there's a chance this guy is just the number one receiver for the offense. 
And even if Traquan plays, I'm not entirely sure Marcus Callaway just hasn't eclipsed him as the number one. But I don't know. Is that kind of how you saw it? Yeah. I, 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 yes. But I also just see this as a, as a carousel of shit. I mean, I seriously, <laughs> I, I agree I, with you. I agree with you. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's very, I'm not sure how much logic I want to apply to this. That's what's troubling to me. If Traquan Smith is out, then, then we know what, then we know what to do. It, it's Marcus Callaway, Marcus Callaway. Sorry. Going to get a lot of opportunities. He played 85% of snaps last game. That's solid to see. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey was a little bit involved. So, so the, the one thing too, Matt, is they only used really three wide receivers last game, right? Kenny Stills was uh, a coach's decision inactive. He wasn't hurt. He just didn't play at all. So with that in mind, and Kenny Stills had been playing, with that in mind, and Deontay Harris is suspended, do we just see another, like, mostly just a three wide receiver rotation today again. And it's between Callaway Smith and, and little Jordan Humphrey. Cause if that's the case, at least, you know, that you don't have to go dumpster diving for a guy that might only play 1% or no snaps at all. I think Callaway is a little more consistent than that, but they've rotated all year, but looking at the last two weeks, Callaway, he played in 78% of the snaps in week 14 as well. Saw 13 targets, but like you mentioned, this could change at any point in time. I think if you are looking at odd chopper and you're a little risk averse and you're willing to lay more juice, the over on the receptions is a little bit better. It's two and a half receptions. You just got to lay some pretty decent juice in that. And I've seen 145. Maybe you could find better, but I think he's become the wide receiver one. I don't say that confidently though. No, no, I, I think you're right. What I was saying is they're probably only going to use three receivers. Yeah, I agree with you. The, what, the part of the, the reason I think that you might see more of them as well is they, they don't have any healthy tight ends. No, like they, they cannot run 12 personnel. As quick as Trotman was in, he went back out. No, Juwan either. Juwan's yep. not going to play. Juwan Johnson and then Garrett Griffin's on the IR. So should they'll, we they'll be... call somebody up, but like, they are, have. is that guy going to play? Is, who do we have? Zach Wood and like Ethan Wolf? I don't even know who those guys are. I've never heard of them. I'm surprised you don't know where they went to school in high school. I know that's it's become the shtick on the, <laughs> on the stream. <laughs> I, they did play in the preseason. I know them both from there, but these, okay. are, these are like practice squad guys. So it is, it is more than feasible to think that Nick Vanette, who, yes, he's done a lot of blocking over the years, but he's been a legitimate NFL tight end, Matt. You know, we, we spent a lot of time in, in Seattle and he's someone who, has been on the field uh, a lot for multiple teams. Is it crazy? Like, should we be considering him as a somewhat decent option? He had between weeks 13 and 14 before Trotman came back, he had 10 combined targets. That's, and I know the quarterbacking is different. So bear with me here. I'm, I'm full of, fully aware of that, but maybe, maybe Vanette and someone mentioned them earlier in the show. Maybe it's not the craziest idea to say, all right, tight end, rookie quarterback maybe Vanette gets gets four or five five six targets even if he catches four of those for for 30 and, and falls into the end zone this could be a perfectly reasonable play at a completely depleted position for sure I like Vanette he's kind of in the same price range as like an Isaiah Ford and his role might be a little more consistent just out of necessity you pointed it out they just don't have any other options at tight end I think in a vacuum if I'm punting I still prefer a Durham Smythe slightly just based on the savings he gives you. But for tournaments, if the net comes in with really low ownership, he's going to be a guy I'm definitely looking at. He's slightly positively leveraged. I mean, at this point with these punt plays, you can only say so much about the positive leverage score. You're basically hoping they get a little extra volume or they fall in the end zone. But I still like to see that for Vinette. And I think it's just out of necessity that he's going to end up playing more. Okay. Any other thoughts here? Defenses, pass catchers, kicker. We, we can talk about the ancillary options for New Orleans, and they're just as gross as Miami, so I want to preface with that. And this mainly comes into play if Traquan misses time. If Traquan's out of the game, you're going to just see more of these guys because we have to. But even if Traquan plays, I still think you get a couple snaps from like a 
Ty Montgomery type play, Kenny Stills, if he's not a coach's decision inactive. I mean, like in week 14, guys like Kevin White were playing. Like I know. Kevin White has played snaps in the NFL this year. <laughs> I know. Like I never thought I'd see the day. <clears throat> Lil Jordan Humphrey, I mean, I mean, Lil Jordan Humphrey plays a much more consistent role than a Kevin White type guy, but even Lil Jordan Humphrey is like a quarter of the snaps type player. I'm going, uh, by the way, before we build a lineup and get out of here, turn it over to the NBA strategy show. Uh, my favorite prop of the night over on Odd Shopper, it's got to be the one that we have graded the best. 85% expected win rate, 59% expected ROI, under on Jalen Waddle receiving yards. I mean, we have him pretty low there, but I still like under 65 and a half. With Parker back, pretty healthy, super, super low projected scoring game, 20-point total for Miami in the Dome uh, in New Orleans. Tough place to play for opposing teams. I, I, under 65 really doesn't seem all that insane to me. I, I don't think we should ignore the fact that Miami has played some really bad teams recently, and uh, this could be a much more difficult spot for Jalen Waddell to get those uh, most uh, very cherished yards after the catch. So uh, you want to check Odd Shopper out too. It's free. It's it, you don't have to pay for it. You can get you. You don't. The best thing is you don't have to research anything. Like you can, and I would suggest, you know, putting your own work into it too. But if you don't want to, you can go to the parlay builder and we can give you, you know, an all dogs parlay. Uh, we could go favorites parlay, a 10 X parlay, the prop party parlay, get, you know, 200 to one or 20 to one odds, crazy stuff. And it's insanely fun. It's insanely easy to use, give you literally everything you need to make good justified and, um, well, smart betting decisions, whether you're just betting singles, whether you're betting sides, props, parlays, whatever. Um, I don't know, Matt. I've been using the parlay builder like crazy. I think it's a fantastic tool. It's a shock to me that it's free. I, I, like, I still cannot believe this. I don't know if it will be forever, but while it is, take advantage of this, man. People have been cashing in on the parlay builders, crushing it. All right, let's build a lineup and say sayonara. Turn it over to the NBA Strategy Show. And, and you guys already know this, but if you don't and you're new and you want to check out everything we've got over at Osmo, NFL Showdown is the promo code. NFL Showdown, all caps, all one word. If you go to awesome.com slash join, get 25% off the first week of everything on the site. Football, basketball, hockey, every single sport, we got you covered. Every tool, all of which have been built by the number one ranked player out there, Osmo himself, Alex Baker who's won millions of dollars using these very tools. So you want to check that out. NFL showdown, all caps, all one word, and join our premium discord when you do. All right, Matt, we got to do this quick. So let's make it happen. Let's start with a captain, large field tournament. Where are we going? You want to try like a Jasicki? I think whoever scores the touchdowns for Miami, because there's sure. going to be so few could be very impactful. I like that. I like that plenty. I'm going to, I'm going to throw Alvin Kamara in here. I still think he needs to be in lineups today. 100% agree. 100% agree. Let's do Tagovailoa for the correlation with Jasicki. All right. We'll go to a, I'm going to go, you know, I could see this being a game where it's book and Kamara and they just both run a lot. So I'll go Ian book. It gives us 45 remaining per player. This shouldn't be too difficult actually. No, I think there's a couple ways we could do it. I, I still like a punt with like a Smythe. And I think you could even, if you're doing really large field and you're not concerned enough, you could go to Shaheen. But I think Smythe gives you a chance to get another premier player. Okay. Let's try it. Let's try Smythe. And I think also you could go with Vinette if you wanted to. Uh, Agreed. I have no Agreed. Yeah. No problem with that at all. I'll go. You could go Callaway here. We could go Marquez Callaway. I do like it. We could do that. We could go Duke Johnson. Hope he's involved in the passing game. A lot of different ways to go. What do you think? Let, let's go with Callaway. All right. Let's go with Callaway. And like I said, you can go Vanette there and you can go Callaway. You could go Gaskin, Johnson, any of those guys. So I like that a lot. It's 10 o'clock. We got to go. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Matt, final question. Give me the prediction. I got laughed at. I got laughed at. Off the, I got laughed off the show the other night on Thursday when I said that I don't even know what I said. I forget who I said was going to win. Who did Arizona? Oh, the Tennessee would beat Arizona outright. Three point spread. People act like you're crazy for saying those things. 
Well, I have the last laugh, friends. Matt, you have the last laugh today. Who wins this game? What's the score? It's 20 to 13 Miami. 20 to 13 Miami. All right. I love it. I'm going 13 to 9. Woo! 13 to 9 Miami. Yep. Keep it close. Keep it close right around the spread. 13 to 9 Miami. Thanks, Mike Lawrence, for producing the show. You guys for hanging out, as always. We'll see you back here tonight. NBA Live Before Lock, Deeper Dive, NFL Live Before Lock. But right up now, it's the NBA Strategy Show with Adam Scher and Josh Engelman. We'll catch you back here soon. Peace.